Hello and welcome to CM Conversations. I'm today's host, Spencer Knight, and my focus here at CM Life Science is the cell and gene therapy market. Today I talk with Vered Kaplan. Vered is the CEO of Orgenesis, and we talk about the role of point-of-care platforms in the industry and what their introduction truly means for the future of the cell and gene therapy market. Whether you're in the cell and gene therapy market or you are intrigued by discussions around the impact of point-of-care platforms or you're just wondering what their introduction means for your company and market, then sure, let's have a listen. Here it is. I hope you enjoy listening. Hi, Vered. Hope you're well and thanks for uh, jumping on for today's podcast. Hi. Um, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Likewise, it's great to speak to you again. And yeah, um, if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, your journey and, and yeah, what you do for, for a living. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, my kind of academic background is engineering, uh, biomedical engineering, especially cell engineering. And uh, I've been an entrepreneur with several companies. And about a decade ago, I started kind of leading Orgenesis as this new field of cell and gene therapy started developing. Very exciting field, right? Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, hope for a lot of people, I would say, right? Many diseases that are being addressed by these new kind of technologies. And the goal was to really enable cell and gene therapies. And um, as the company advanced along the years, you know, one of the things that came up that one of the biggest challenges, no matter which therapy, is actually all about how to make these therapies. They're unique, they different from the typical kind of biomedical product you see in the market. And uh, most of it is based on personalized medicine, which is, you know, yeah. still... I think the future, I personally believe, is very important uh, to actually make that available to patients all over the world uh, because personalized medicine and, you know, really kind of gets in many cases to the, to the root of the issue with the patient and allows you to address that patient specifically. So um, that's what we've been doing for the past decade, uh, helping uh, companies get their products. Uh, into the clinic by actually making these products, developing and producing and processing these cells and to make them available to patients. And it's been, you know, uh, a decade long journey and understanding what's the best way to do this. Yeah, like you said there, you know, it's, it's been a great journey. And with these personalized, these individualized medicines, it's, it, is, it is quite a, an exciting intervention but for yourself then how, how was the journey when you first started and how does it compare to um well the sort of exciting things that you you and yourself are doing today so, so you know when i when i began i i i was under maybe <laughs> i was quite i think mistaken in my assumption that this would be a very niche area i mean there was only several clinical trials ongoing and you know, I thought the challenge would be more kind of a regulatory challenge, right? I would, yeah. How do you address doing this, uh, helping a hospital get these therapies to patients? 
because you you know you're taking a cell and you're reprogramming and you're giving it back to that same patient or expanding it or activating it whatever you're doing to those cells it's the, the, the source material is actually based on that specific patient and as we kind of started working and uh, and trying to deal with different technologies we'd licensed out and um, you know we're looking for kind of uh, subcontracting for manufacturing i realized what a difficult issue was it was and how difficult it was to find actually expertise in making these therapies in a in a cost efficient and a safe manner i was just going to um, input there in terms of like you said um regulatory issues especially with the fda setting their own sort of guidelines for something that is brand new is is an ever present and like you said an issue from back there but for yourself then those challenges with finding you know this this new science and how did you start to overcome such uh, barriers so you know one of the things first of all on the regulatory side i'm, I'm still very impressed and, and very appreciative how regulatory agencies all over the world have actually taken a very i would say bold uh, kind of position an innovative position and a, a very supportive and very new ways to get these therapies and are really thinking about the patients and about the companies and technologies involved so it's it's in terms of just dealing with regulatory agencies i it was very different than what i thought they were so open and to discussion to learning and to really collaborating with industry on this on the industrial side you know just making these not just for one or two patients or maybe even 10 for phase one but how to really approach this issue in a very industrial manner, that was the major challenge. And in the beginning, we tried working with subcontractors and there was very little knowledge. We actually ended up acquiring a, a small company out of Belgium named yeah. Mastercell and started working with them. That grew into quite a big company. And about two years ago, we actually, uh, we, we sold it out to Catalan. And one of the things we've learned and working and uh, working with this company that first of all, very quickly realized we're not the only, <laughs> the only company that has issues with this. Everybody has issues with this. And that's why we were you know, really providing subcontracting services to many other companies. But even working with Mastercell, which was working you know, the traditional kind of the clean room way, we still could not resolve the issues we were facing with our own therapies and with our partners, collaborators. And after we, we sold off Mastercell, we really wanted to implement a strategy we'd kind of been building all along. And this is what we call our point of care strategy, which is actually based on looking at these therapies in a very different view. Because at the end of the day, what we have here is something that, in my mind, is more is similar more to a hardware-software industry than it is yeah. to a biotech industry. Because what you're doing is you're actually reprogramming cells, reprogramming, reprogramming them to do what they need to do in order to keep patients healthy. And so it's not that you're kind of taking off-the-shelf materials and building and that's why we don't even use the word manufacturing we are actually processing reprogramming these cells and when you talk about reprogramming then you come to a whole different issue it's not about uh, 
just the algorithm, it's about the hardware and software you're using. So today I look at this in a very different way. I look at it as how do we get the hardware out that we can easily run these algorithms of free programming cells and how do we build up a language, a way, uh, a methodology to do this in a very efficient manner. Today, what we have set up in order to address this issue is what we call our point of care network, which is actually a collaboration of many different centers allowing us to place the required hardware and run these algorithms of reprogramming cells in different locations, but in a very standardized manner. But it's really about looking at this from a very different approach. It's really about how do we share the information, the know-how of reprogramming cells in an efficient and safe way. So this can be done at every location where it is needed and required. Absolutely. And you know, it is it is an innovative technology. And collaboration has definitely been at the, the forefront of recent time for yourself and our genesis. Um, yeah, how did it really come about? How did you think that was the um, that was the, the thing to utilize to overcome such bottlenecks we talked about earlier? So, you know, one of, one of the things that's, uh, I mean, I would love to say we sat down and we had this wonderful <laughs> strategy that we kind of, you know, were such clever people. But the, the truth is, this is not how it happened. But it, what was happening, we were trying to work with more and more kind of biotech partnerships, either, you know, and these therapies are mostly coming out of, you know, big research centers, hospitals, sometimes it's spun out to small biotech companies. And we were trying to kind of find a way how we can help them and in our kind of code development, how we can put things together in a way that is very efficiently uh, made, but can also be shared with other partners of the network. And in the beginning, we had this, uh, again, a false assumption that we could just work inside the hospitals. And, you know, some of these hospitals, especially the big research institutes you mentioned, whether it's JSU, JQ, Johns Hopkins, or UC Davis, or Madrid Children's Hospital, or, you know, any of these big centers or the centers in Israel we work with, yeah. You know, they have accumulated tremendous know-how and how to get these treatments to patients. But again, a hospital is a place where you want to treat patients. It's not a manufacturing company or it's not an industrial company. So even though the hospitals have done a tremendous job in trying to provide these therapies at a, at a cost-efficient way to patients, it's not, it's not what they're built for. And in many cases, the hospitals don't even want the liability. The research institute do not want to be manufacturers. And uh, maybe for the first few patients, just for you know, feasibility studies, but not as a, as a big kind of industrial endeavor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know, we were trying to kind of building our automation around these therapies and thinking of working in the hospital. But it, it became more and more bureaucratic, and it's and most hospitals just don't have the space or the capacity to do that. So we developed what we call our compules, uh, our Genesis Mobile Protection Units Labs. And what we do today is actually when we're dealing with a therapy, whether it be a CAR T or pills or dendritic vaccine or NK cell, yeah. doesn't matter which. What we do is we kind of take that therapy. And that's the, if you remember, that's the algorithm of reprogramming these cells. And we built automation around it. We 
collaborate with many automation companies, even UK-based companies, state companies, and a lot of advancements in this field, right? People are developing a lot of engineering technologies. We've also had to develop some of our own engineering solutions because it just wasn't absolutely. And in a collaborative effort, what we've done, we've built the automation around the therapy. So now you can actually have that that therapy combined with the box around it, right? And I, and I like to give an example on that. Let's say you, you're making a wonderful apple pie and you want to make these apple pies. You want to open your franchise of apple pie coffee shops, right? And you <laughs> yeah. want them all to have that wonderful apple pie, right? So you better have a very good apple pie making machine, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. A great, great analogy, for sure. But that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to uh, kind of make it into a commodity, the, the biology combined with the automation and engineering. Now, even if you have that, even if you've already built your own, you've utilized an existing automation technology, and you've built that wonderful box around it, and you can actually run this process in a very standardized fashion. Remember, that's not enough for this industry because you still need a very standardized environment and quality system. So that's why we've set up what we call our point of care centers. These centers are actually the ones that are in charge of deploying the objects to wherever it's needed around them. So we have a center like that in Israel, and we have a center in Greece, we have a center in Belgium, and um, and and in and on East Coast, West Coast, wherever needed. And that yeah. center is where we actually harmonize it. And then the ampules, they can be deployed, they can be, the people are trained at that center, and we can put these ampules with our pie-making machines, so to speak, right, wherever needed, but it's completely standardized, right? And what it also allows, and that's a very important thing in this industry, it allows you to ramp up quickly, because once you've qualified that equipment, that unit, now you can duplicate it. You can duplicate it at the same location if required, but you can also duplicate it in other required locations. But you're keeping everything extremely standard. Yeah, and, and with that duplication, it allows everyone, like you say, to have the access to that great piece of apple pie. Yeah, exactly. They all enjoy. And, and remember, you know, just like any other thing, these therapies are so important because, you know, the, that's what's so amazing. A decade ago, this was such a niche area, and today, thousands of these therapies being deployed. And it's not by chance. This is not just some random event. It's because all of the different technologies surrounding us in our world are actually converging to allow us to, to really utilize genetic information, right? Utilize the oncology information. And you know, big data allows you to analyze more data. Uh, more sophisticated computer systems allow you to analyze and actually, you know, understand exactly what that reprogramming needs to be. The more sophisticated systems for you, whether it's the different vectors and the mRNA, CRISPR, all these wonderful technologies that have developed, these are our, our that's our kind of software, right? That's what allows us to reprogram so efficiently. Definitely. The cost issue is not because of the actual mechanisms. It's because of the industrial approach that today doing things in a centralized manner is just very inefficient. I mean, just think of 
you know, mainframe computers in the past, right? <laughs> when everybody had to go to one big room to get the little card. And, and if you think about biology in general, I mean, it's really inefficient to, to, to go on somewhere and get your cells reprogrammed, right? You wanna do it on site. We all grow our own cells, don't we? It's just the, the, the thing is you wanna, anytime you're transporting cells, it's expensive, it's a lot of difficulties in logistics because not always can you freeze down these cells. If you do, sometimes you reduce the efficacy of the cells, of the, of the reprogrammed cells. I mean, can you imagine doing all the bone marrow transplantations in one center in the UK? It's just so difficult, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. So you want to have that flexibility to decentralize your processing and how much you want to decentralize? Well, that's up to what necessity there is, right? You can have it more centralized or you can have it more decentralized, but at least you have the flexibility, you have the choice of making it right next to the hospital, just ramping up these ampules in a central location, whatever is required. Yeah, obviously those are some challenges there and, and obviously the point of care helps that, but what would you say have been some, some positive things, some things that have been transformative during your journey or genesis, whether it's the people or like I said, the technology as well. So one of the things, the wonderful thing is that because there's been an awareness in the, I mean, in the beginning, we had to develop every little bit of automation ourselves. Today, there's so many companies and great companies that have, that have really advanced this and have developed different technologies that allows us to utilize them directly. That's, that's a tremendous, I think, important step to the industry, just having different kind of automation technologies. And it's not only just for the expansion of the cells, it's for different manipulations of the cells. It's also about even taking out the source material, right? Finding more effective ways of utilizing the cells, whether you're taking them from tissue or blood and the testing, different testing automation systems. So all of this, we kind of incorporate and kind of build into our, our pools, right? Into our mobile systems. And that just saves a lot of time. And it also, I think one of the nice advances that have been is the regulatory agencies understanding, especially in Europe, I've seen this, but in other locations as well in Asia, that you, you have to find the regulatory pathways allowing this decentralization. You have to find the way to, retain the safety, make sure the quality assurance is not uh, jeopardized here. And in many cases, actually having a decentralized kind of, uh, and, and having kind of local, uh, I would say awareness for safety and uh, making sure your standard operating procedures are followed very closely has actually allowed this expansion into decentralization. This decentralization that if you qualify a system very well, if you do that validation of your technology together with the therapy, now you're going to have something you can duplicate. Yeah, and like we said earlier, duplication is, is what allows you to you know, have these exciting collaborations, which you've, you know, you've definitely done in the past few months, for sure. Another, I think, wonderful thing is, is, is that's happened in this industry, the understanding from not only biotech companies, but also very much the research institute that there's no need to invent the wheel every time. Instead of just going, you know, I, I just want to do this for my patients as a growing understanding. If I've developed a wonderful therapy 
and I've shown that I can treat the patients in my hospital and in my clinic, and I've shown I can treat those patients, it's important to collaborate with other companies, with other hospitals, with other research institutes to make sure that therapy can get to as many patients as possible. And there's also some economic benefit for that. Remember, these therapies in many cases have been developed by taxpayer money, right? And they should be made available. That's why I sometimes kind of laugh and say we're an open source biotech company, right? Because if we're, license, because if we're licensing a, a, a therapy from a hospital or a research institute and, and providing a solution for then providing it and making it in a, in a cost-effective manner and, and developing it with them, we can now make this therapy available to all our network, right? And they can kind of chip in and help get this, first of all, quicker to market because more centers are involved. Sharing knowledge, which is very important because know-how that may exist in one place may not exist in another. So helping kind of bring that know-how together to patients' benefit and the ability then to get this at a commercial level out there quicker and in a cost-effective manner, right? Not that you know, you're, you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in doing clinical trials in one location, and then you know, all the other places in the world have to bear the economic burden, but if, and if we do a partnership model where many centers can be involved, that actually expedites the way this therapy can get to market. Yeah, obviously the economic benefits is massive. Um, with, with the economy and the collaboration, how did things, you know, work out for yourself and were, were there any changes to yourself on the market uh, during COVID-19 at, at its peak? Well, you know, the, the, one of the things, one of the challenges in working in a decentralized manner is actually an opportunity to be very efficient in the way we share information between different sites. And, you know, I, I, I am so full of respect and admiration they've had to go through and just to treat so many COVID patients, deal with so much. That's been very admirable to see how they've committed all these centers to, you know, continuing the, the best health care for patients. And still, I mean, COVID is COVID, right? It, it delays travel. It, it, there's been a lot of risk for our employees. But I think everybody's really brave that situation and has done everything possible to make sure that we continue our work, taking example from the healthcare, you know, uh, teams that we see that are so dedicated to continuing the best treatment to their patients. Yeah. And how do you feel the next 12 months will go for our genesis? And maybe COVID might, you know, be a little bit less impactful, but... In, in terms of our genesis, obviously, you've already had some exciting collaborations in the past few months, but is there more things to come or how do you feel the next 12 months will go, really? So I, I'm very excited about the next the coming year because I think this is a year where, you know, uh, we, we turn this into just a very, just yeah. a very practical reality, okay? We've built this up. We have our point of care centers. We have our teams. We have our therapies. And, you know, we have our hardware, our software, our apps, our algorithms already. You know, we're already doing first batches. And what's very exciting is to see how, once this kind of all expands, how we can actually turn this into a very viable reality. So there's always a choice, okay? And that's what I kind of, talk about, I, we're not 
competing with them. We want to, we're happy to collaborate, whether it's a biotech company, whether it's a research institute, whether it's a tool company, right? Whoever's developing something, that's why I sometimes joke and I say, we're like the Uber of cell and gene therapy, right? When we're, we're not coming to take someone's place, we're just coming, we're here to make sure everything works together. Yeah, an, an intermediary, some would say. Yeah, and, and to make sure that, you know, things, even if you're trying to bring a new technology to market, okay, you need to deploy it out, right? You need to test it, you need to validate it. If you're bringing a new algorithm, a new therapy, you want an efficient way to get it out. You don't want to start building huge facilities that doing clinical trials, in many cases, are just sitting empty, right? And the, a huge cost expense on the shoulders of biotech companies. So we come in as an industrial partner, bringing together both uh, clinical sites that are willing to participate in clinical trials, in getting these through the clinical kind of development phases, bringing together the tool companies that want to bring in the best solutions to making these products under automation and providing a very robust quality system and network that allows information to be kind of uh, uh, spread out throughout the network quickly and making sure everything pushes forward. So I think we've certainly put together the platform. We have the ground floor. We've even kind of stepping on. We're already manufacturing the first batches, which is so exciting. And once these therapies kind of start rolling out at several centers at the same time, it just becomes an option for an entire industry to utilize this platform and go forward and just find, have a choice, have an alternative of utilizing what we've built to push the therapies quickly and efficiently to patients and at the end providing them at the lower cost, which is, I think, important for everyone. Absolutely. And it is a really exciting time for this industry. Where do you personally see, you know, cell and gene therapy uh, heading towards? It's quite a, quite a broad question at that, but <laughs> I'd love to hear from Well, you know, I, I, this is, again, just my personal opinion, right? It's not, a, it's not like a, a corporate strategy or anything like that. I personally believe these therapies are tremendous. And the reason is that, you know, if you look at, let's say, the, the change that has been in healthcare because of recombinant proteins, okay? I mean, whether it's a growth hormone or an insulin or uh, um, and, um, a cancer kind of antibody, it doesn't matter which of these proteins. It's made such a tremendous change the last 20, 30 years in terms of the medications we have made available to patients. It's brought so much hope and potential and therapies to market using recombinant proteins, right? And that's that's the beauty of biotech, right? That's biotechnology up to today. Absolutely. But when you think of this, when you think of this kind of more on a, on a just a basic biology uh, kind of mindset, proteins don't run around in our body just by themselves, right? They are controlled by cells. That's what cells do. They are little factories, little machines that are very efficient, not only in making proteins, but actually getting to them where they need to go to. Look at the T cells. That's why the CAR Ts are so efficient because they, these T cells get those CD19s, you know, to where they're needed to, the, the right antibodies, right? And if you have, and whether it's a, a cell making insulin, 
It knows how to measure much more efficiently than any human kind of uh, device, how much glucose there is. Cells have amazing, beautiful control mechanisms. Um, just, just think of how quickly we react to something, how, how uh, evolution has built cells to be so tremendously efficient in controlling how much proteins they make and when to, to kind of make them and deploy them. And cells also have a tremendous kind of uh, sensory mechanism to make sure you're making the right amount in the right place and at the right kind of moment, right? So all of this, taking all our knowledge that we've accumulated in the last 25 years, 30 years about antibodies, about proteins in general, now combining that with the tremendous genetic information we understand today and the amazing technologies that have been built up to actually manipulate cells, such as CRISPR, such as the different vectors, such as mRNA, combining this body of knowledge together with what we already have, and bringing into that the growing and expediting capability of analyzing genetic and biological and epigenetic information is actually going to allow us and already does enable scientists to actually manipulate and reprogram cells in amazing ways. Today, we're talking very much about, you know, not only just um, doing uh, um, just a simple on-off switch, but actual logic gates using biology, right? Yeah. If this happens, do that. If that happens, do this. All of this combined together is going to provide a tremendous, tremendous wealth of information and science that will allow us to address everything we've already been doing and upgrade it. And the, my, my goal as an individual, and I think our goal as a company to just to make sure that these scientific steps don't just stay, you know, uh, just won't be available just to a few people. If we're talking about therapies today, that sometimes cost half a million. You're talking about uh, gene therapies that are costing more than a million and a half dollars per patient. Zolgensma comes to mind. Yeah. So we as a society, we should not accept that, especially when we realize that there are the engineering and the, the, the business solutions to get this out to patients at a much lower cost. And I like to give like a theoretical example. Let's say in a year from now, some biotech company develops a very clever way to reprogram immune cells, not to treat a cancer as they do today, or to treat another disease or an autoimmune disease, but to treat uh, a virus, right? A cell infected by a virus. And we have this wonderful cell therapy that can provide, you know, lifelong uh, um, security from different viruses, okay? But it costs a million dollars per patient. Wouldn't that be just so sad, right? I mean, I'm sure there'll be a lot, enough people lining up to pay a million dollars, yeah. making sure they never have a virus or COVID or whatever virus it is. But we don't want that. We want that therapy to be available to every person almost, and not to have that inequality in our society, right? So that's why I think the, the vision of cell and gene therapy is not just about, you know, uh, okay, let's make uh, a lot of therapies that can make a lot of money. 
It's also about understanding that us as a society to utilize the beauty of you know, biology, nature, to, to, to treat, to heal. And we want that knowledge to be available to as many people as possible. We want to advance this knowledge to in ways that actually help sustain society and the challenges society may have in the future. And if we look at this even ethically, I mean, we, if there's one basic human right we all have is that we own ourselves, we own our genes, right? It's, it's like our basic, there's nothing more basic than our own cells, our own genetic information. And we kind of deserve to be able to enjoy that, right? Yeah, I, I can't argue with you there. It just makes me think about what you said earlier in terms of the pricing and accessibility is an issue. And that's why yourself and Genesis are doing a great thing in, in duplicating the sort of point of care and more importantly, giving patients and giving everyone more slices of that apple pie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's kind of how I see it. I see it as the healthcare of the future and the present, okay? And the more we build up the platforms, the infrastructure, the tools to get these therapies out there, the more we will all benefit from right? And people ask me, so who is this? who are the customers for this? Well, everyone is. Because, I mean, cell therapy is going from uh, immune oncology to autoimmune disease to uh, um, different vaccination technologies. Even in COVID, there's been so many different cell therapies deployed to untie and used on patients to try to help them, right? And in some cases, very successfully. So it's not, this is not just some issue that you know, should worry just the biotech companies or, or just the hospitals. It's an issue for everyone because cell therapies and cell and gene therapies are going into every space possible. And we are all affected by it. Absolutely. And, and, you, and you make a valid point there. And, I'm, and I mean, on that note, this, this does conclude a, a fantastic and insightful episode of CM Conversation. I'd just like to thank you again, Vered, for um, giving your time and insight on both your own journey or Genesis and the state of cell and gene therapy in its future. Well, thank you very much for having me and I appreciate it very much. So that was my CM conversation with Vered Kaplan, CEO of All Genesis. I'd like to thank Vered again for her time and the insights she really provided on this important topic. I hope anyone who is interested in any factors we touched upon during this podcast could gain some valuable perspectives from her role and impact in the industry. If you'd like to hear more from industry leaders about cell and gene therapy or wider life sciences, please subscribe to the podcast to be notified when the next episode is live. Thank you again for listening. I've been your host, Spencer Knight. Bye for now.